Hello and welcome to Sharp HR Career Corner with Karen Sharp Price. Thank you for listening to Sharp HR Career Corner. This is a special episode. Normally, we cover professionals in all types of careers and learn about where they started and how they got to where they are now. But these are not normal times. We're living in the COVID-19 crisis. What that means for us living in New York State and for many states around us is mandatory stay-at-home mandates by the governor. Our children are now learning online and all work for adults is remote unless you are deemed an essential worker. We're going out to grocery stores or the pharmacy is our luxury, but now wearing a mask over our nose and mouth and staying at least six feet away from anyone in public is our new norm. I don't think most of us ever thought that we would ever be living through this in our lifetime, but we are. And as my grandmother used to say, we're never given more than what we can handle. We're learning as a community that we indeed can get through this and we will, but unfortunately, people are still getting sick. The good news takeaway from our daily briefing from the governor today, April 5th, 2020, was about 74% of people in the hospital have been discharged. But the reality is that people with autoimmune issues and the elderly are the most compromised. That is why we are being told from the federal, state, local, county, and, and city level of governments that we must all stay home to help flatten the curve, and in doing so, we will help protect our most compromised neighbors. Let me introduce you to my guest. She is a veteran of the U.S. Coast Guard. She is currently finishing her graduate degree as a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner at Duval College. She has a bachelor's in workforce education and a bachelor's in nursing from the University at Buffalo. She has worked as a pediatric nurse in the Amherst Central and Buffalo Public School Systems. She has also worked inpatient in addictions nursing. She is a longtime member of the Clean Air Coalition of Western New York and was recently hired for the child and adolescent psychiatric nurse practitioner position at Horizon Healthcare. Please welcome Claire Kamen. Thank you so much for Hi. being here today, Claire. No, thanks for having me. Being home, there's not a lot that I feel like I can do. I can contribute to helping people out. I contacted you because I started thinking about this means of reaching people through the podcast. And if we can get information out there to help people, I, I think it's really important. You see people in all different types of social media talking about flattening the curve. The more it's talked about, the more it becomes a norm and people just begin to do it automatically without even thinking about it. It, it is hard. It has been hard. You know, in the beginning, they called this a pause, but it doesn't feel like a pause. It feels longer than a pause. No. You really have to stop and think about almost everything that you do with your families every step of the way. I went grocery shopping this past weekend and I came home and I had a spot on my table Half of it was the sanitized area and half of it was not. And I had my bottle of Clorox and water and I sprayed everything down and I had to move everything over. And then my husband would take it from the clean spot and then put it away. And that's just not our norm. <laughs> and and yeah. it felt very weird. 
Yeah, it does. It definitely feels weird. And even coming from a medical and here from nursing where a lot of procedures in nursing are, you know, here's my sterile hand, here's my dirty hand, and we're not going to cross the sterile space and put something dirty in the sterile space or cross-contaminate. Even having that experience, it's still very odd to put that in regular life settings. And I think, yeah, and I agree. um, It is hard to make that transition and think like that constantly, especially when you're out in public. Um, When we've had to go out places where we've had to get things, pharmacies, grocery store, you see people will kind of get a little closer and you back up and they say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, because this isn't our norm. This is our new norm. This isn't what we're used to. And it is. It's big adjustment. Yes. And as I would turn the corner to go down a new aisle, I almost evaluated how many people were in that aisle. And if <laughs> Is I wanted it worth to go it? down it, yeah. Could I get around, maneuver everybody, or should I just go to the next one and come back around if I needed to? So right. it, can I skip changes. the mustard today? Yes, it, yeah. it changes everything that you think about. And even standing really in line does. waiting to be cashed out. Am I far enough away from the person be in front of me? And are the people behind me far enough away? But that is sort of all of our norms. I mean, we all have to, to experience that. Yeah. But there is a population of people who have had anxiety and have had depression before this even came into play. And right. now they have that and then mm-hmm. this unknown, and it is a huge unknown as to what's going to happen in the next week and the next three weeks and the next couple of months. Um, no one knows. So to have that fear and anxiety and then quadruple it and not be able to get out, not be able to go to your therapist, your counselor, to your doctor, not to feel as though you have the same support as you did before. It's changed and there is support out there, but it is it is very different. And so they have to get used to even the new type of support. So what I wanted to talk to you today was really how to help those people, how to help people, even people who have never had anxiety, all of a sudden have anxiety. I have a hard time going to sleep at night. I can stay up for hours now because nighttime is the time when my brain seems to work the fastest and the most and Mm -hmm. starts thinking about things because I'm laying there. I'm not active. I'm not doing things that can change my thought process. And so I lay down, I'm exhausted, but my brain isn't, (laughs) my brain's still Mm -hmm. working. So for everybody, really, I mean, it it isn't just the people who have had anxiety and depression before. Um, It is people who are now finding that they have it now that they never did have it. So I wanted to talk to you about that. It was interesting. Some of the things that you had talked to me about prior to this was reactions that are normal and they're very different. So if we could talk a little about that. The different types of fear reactions. Yeah. Yeah. And um, we are seeing our friends and family act very differently. And sometimes we get upset because we see people um, panicking and going out and buying hundreds of rolls of toilet paper um, while someone else in the family might be just going about their business acting like everything's fine or um, you might see someone else cleaning, cleaning, clean obsessively. And, and it's funny because based on what your fear reaction is, um, you might view someone else's fear reaction as being very odd and yeah. unusual. Yeah. Um, but they really all stem from the same process, which is that fight or flight reflex, which we go into in an emergency. And what that happens is that activates your sympathetic nervous system, makes you want to either 
fight or flee, or they even sometimes say freeze. So a good example of this would be, it's funny because I was going to give this example. And then last night we watched Tiger King. Oh, <laughs> I've heard a lot about this, that lately. Yeah. And I thought this show is so popular right now. What a like perfect analogy. So imagine that you're sitting in your room and all of a sudden a giant 700 pound tiger walks into the room. I mean, your immediate response is going to be thought, oh my gosh, there's a giant tiger in my room. It might eat me, you know? And so what's going to happen after you have this thought is now your limbic system, your emotional system is going to kick in and your amygdala is going to kick in and say, panic, you know, we need to jump in, trigger that sympathetic nervous system. We need to trigger that fight or flight and we need to act right now. This is an emergency, this is a threat. And that's what you can see happening with people with the COVID virus. You know, imagine it's like this giant COVID tiger has walked in and we don't know what it's going to do. Is it going to eat us? Is it going to sit there? Is it just going to go after grandma? You know, what's it going to do? And so people's responses are fighting. They're cleaning. They're uh, getting as much toilet paper. They've they've locked into the survival mode. Um, There's those who are maybe flight in another area is uh, maybe denial. You know, this isn't really happening. That's kind of maybe more of a freeze even type response. You know, this isn't happening. And you do see that. Everything's fine. I think that you see all of those things, um, either with family and friends around you or really on Facebook, you see a lot of things in the news. You you even see, and I don't know if this is the same thing, but you do see a lot of people in positions of power responding in different ways. Yes. And that's their own sympathetic nervous system, their own fear. And and what you're seeing is the reaction to that fear. And what's happening is with, as this occurs and it keeps occurring and occurring because this, we, we, there's so many unknowns, right? We have all this anxiety because we don't know if we're going to get sick. We don't know if your family's going to be safe. We don't know if you'll keep your job. We don't know how long we have to stay away from our friends and Worst of all, we don't know when these children are going back to school. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, there's all these unknowns, and what what happens is it's like the tiger's never leaving the room. Okay. So when you're constantly fearful because you have all these unknowns, you don't know if that tiger's going to attack. You don't know if you're going to be safe. Now, what happens is when you're in that constant state of of a sympathetic nervous system. Uh, now, I also need to mention you. We are supposed to be in parasympathetic nervous system state of rest most of the time. Our bodies aren't made to react to acute stress for extended periods of time. Our ancestors, if they came across a wild animal in the forest, it wouldn't just hang out with them for the next few weeks. Right. It would go away. Mm -hmm. So your your body's supposed to go back into rest and digest quickly after it activates the sympathetic fight or flight. So when that tiger comes in that room, your cortisol levels are going up, you're stressed, you're anxious. And the way to bring that back down um, is to retrain your thoughts. And I'm going to ask people who are listening right now, if they can, to just, first of all, just grab a pen and paper okay. and um, make a list of the things that they can control versus the things they can't. Because it's these can't controls that really, it's that tiger in the room that sets us off. So I okay? can make my list in the middle of the night on that side. <laughs> You certainly can. (laughs) (laughs) And that might be helpful because if you're sitting there anyway, you know, because it's that can't side that's really uh, got you upset. Yeah, it creeps in. Yes, and it's very common at night 
for people when they have a lot of anxiety for it to creep in at night, because that is a time when your mind isn't focusing on anything else. And now it can explore these scary thoughts that it's been yes. pushing off all day long. Yep. So um, an analogy we use with kids a lot is imagine after you make this list that the can't control is a rock and you put the rock in one hand and what you can control is Play-Doh and you put the Play-Doh in the other and you could squeeze that rock all you want that can't control, but it's not going to change that rock's shape. It's going to stay hard and firm. So all these fears, um, am I going to lose my job? Is Are we going to get sick? What's going to happen? You, you can just continue squeezing it, but it's not going to change anything. These are still going to exist. Mm-hmm. Versus if you focusing on what you can control, I can work from home. I can spend time with my children and develop a better relationship with them. I can bring food to the hospitals. I can make masks, all these things I can control. This feels a lot better, right? These things that we, we have power over. And so what I like to say with anxiety is, anxiety is fear of losing control. And if we take back that control, suddenly this, this tiger in the room isn't so scary. This tiger in the room, suddenly it becomes a cub. It becomes yeah. a tiger cub. And for all those who have seen Tiger King, when you see the, when you see the people in there, the trainers with the giant tigers, you're scared. I mean, just watching the show, you get scared. But then when you see them take out a little tiger cub and they're cuddling, oh, it's so cute. And suddenly <laughs> everything, you calm down and you feel better. And uh-huh. when we feel like we have control of the situation, suddenly the things that we don't have control of don't seem so scary. And that makes a lot of sense. I think that's why some people will start cleaning and purging yes. and things yes. like that because they have control. And in that feeling, when you've completed that task, is such a feeling of accomplishment. And that helps you. Now, how it sounds really easy to sit down with a pen and paper and make your list of your -hmm. your good things and the things you have control over and the things that you don't. But how in that night when everything is dark and those things start Mm -hmm. to creep back in, how Mm -hmm. do you keep that balance? Um, there's, when it comes to sleep, there's a lot of different things you can do and different things work for different people. Some people, and which I find also helpful for myself is before going to bed, not watching news or reading things Mm -hmm. that are going to excite me or get me upset. Mm -hmm. Um, Trying to get myself in that frame of mind of comfortable, calm, relaxed, whatever that means for you or whoever is listening to this. So if it's reading a book, if that's journaling, if that's snuggling with your child and talking to them, those things can set the tone for when you go to bed so your mind isn't already racing when you lay down. And then once you are in bed, oh, let me back up a little bit. Exercise is really good for sleep. If you start exercising daily, do a cardio, even three to five times a week, you'll sleep so much better because when you lay down, your body's tired. <laughs> it's physically tired. You so know? take a good walk or... Good walk, any kind of cardio if you can get in 30 minutes. 30 okay. minutes a day. It doesn't have to be strenuous. I mean, we have enough going on right now. Mm-hmm. You don't need to like start a whole new exercise regimen, yeah. just any kind of exercise. I mean, they say exercise is if you could, you know, if you could make one miracle pill that would treat every mental health and physical disease in the world, it would be <laughs> exercise <Yeah>. you know? <laughs> because of uh, the endorphins you release. If you go outside, just going outside, you release endorphins. If you exercise with friends or with family member social aspect, but it really is good for helping you sleep at night. So exercising helps you sleep before you go to bed, getting yourself in that 
state of mind to where you're calm. And I really think meditation is helpful. And I, I know a lot of okay. people struggle with that, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of apps you can do on your phone before you go to bed. Uh, the Calm app is one of them. Okay. There's also free YouTube meditative videos where you just put your headphones on or turn your phone on and listen to it and just follow along. And it actually makes it a lot easier. Starting out, meditate maybe five minutes at most. So, um, it's, it takes time to learn, but it also calms you down. It takes you out of that like we talked before, out of that sympathetic into the parasympathetic rest and digest state. And you might have Seriously. to find a corner of your house if you have people in your home and you're not alone <laughs> uh, to find that quiet time. <laughs> because what <laughs> we've certainly. all learned, I think, is that everybody seems to have their space right now. Everybody yes. has called a room or a table mm. or something as their own. Mm. And that's where they are doing their work or, you know, school or work, work. And as a family, we've all had to sort of redefine what our norm is for our family because you're not usually with your spouse 24 seven <laughs> unless you're retired. No, no, you're not. And it's funny because uh, since you mentioned that yeah. I'm doing telehealth right now with one of my preceptors and we hear a lot of, a lot of people complaining about spouses and children being around all the time and yes. <laughs> needing yes. that break. So it is very important that you take time for yourself. I think especially as women, women constantly want to be, taking care of their families. It's just part of our biology. Um, women are programmed to be caregivers. We want to, we want to take care of others. And right. uh, when your family's with you 24 seven, that can become very draining very fast. Yeah, it can. And, and it, because mm -hmm. the situation is not a calm situation anyways, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. just with what's going on in, in the world. So you bring that on top of everybody in your home, never going out. <laughs> I think it's a good idea to check in on everybody. I know like for my own kids, I will just pop in on them and say, how are you doing? How are you feeling? What's going on in your life? Just so that they have somebody to just talk to. You kind of get wrapped up in your day working or making meals. It feels like mm -hmm. that's all I do right now is make meals. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like we go from one meal to the other. <laughs> and yeah, it, that's all I do. <laughs> and um, so just to take time out and check in with each one of them just to say, yeah. how are you doing? And that's a and, and it's good that you're doing that. I notice um, a difference with older kids. So the older children are more likely to to distance themselves from their families and go mm -hmm. into their rooms. Yeah. And depending on the personality of your child, they also might clam up. Mm -hmm. So they may not be telling you how they feel and right. that they're upset. So it, for those children, it is very important to go and talk to them and, and, and ask them, you know, question them. Um, you know, how, how is all this going for you? You know, how are you feeling? What are, what are your thoughts? You know, what are, what are you, what are your concerns? And then for um, younger children, younger children are much more likely to be clingy when they're feeling anxious. Hmm. So they're more likely to not be distancing themselves. They're more likely to want to be with you because they're scared. One of my children, they will, every once in a while, they'll just come over and just hover. And, mm -hmm. you know, not really for any particular reason, but they'll mm -hmm. just hover. And when I'm yeah. working and I notice that, I stop what I'm doing. Because I think yeah. there's something, you know, whatever it is, whatever they want to, or they just want to connect. And I think sometimes mm -hmm. that's all it is. They just want human contact. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because yes. They don't, they're not having that as much yes. as they were. Like six hours a day in school was a lot of mm -hmm. contact. And when they came home, they didn't want my contact. <laughs> but now it's reversed. And now they're now looking for Now they don't have the choice. It. They have yeah. to have, right. They and, they, and they're looking for it. Yeah. To. Right. Yeah. And I think we are seeing a lot of families become closer because yeah, of that too. I do believe because yeah. now you only have your family to rely yes. on and yes. lean on. 
you know. And it's a great opportunity as a family to try to connect, have those dinners, those times Mm -hmm. with dinners. And and we even last week um, played a card game, which we never do. But we all sat down and we all played, which I just think is is a good thing to do. So I think there's a lot of positive to all of this. Yeah, and sometimes really you have to really look for it and you have to yeah. appreciate it. Now, you're I'm talking. Gonna, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I'm seeing a lot of people outside now, too. And well, the nice weather's to getting families a lot outside together. Yes. And it's nice because um, prior to this, our neighborhood, gorgeous neighborhood, lots of trees, and you'd hardly ever see anybody outside. Yeah. And now we're seeing so many people outside. And I'm hoping that once this all passes, that people continue to spend time outdoors with their families and doing outdoor activities. It was sort of a kick in the butt, maybe in a way, but it it did change the dynamic of families now. And I think Mm -hmm. that I hope that out of all of this comes a deeper appreciation for the people around you. Um, You were talking about like a mantra. What can you say about a mantra and how does that, how is that helpful? So I won't go too far into this because it takes a while to learn. I'm going to cover briefly uh, in psychology, when we have these negative thoughts that are constantly invading our brain, we oftentimes just accept them as truth, right? Like uh, you ever heard of Jiminy Cricket, you know, always mm-hmm. let your conscious be your guide. So we get used to that voice in our brain steering us to what we should do and what we should think that it's always trying to help us. But the reality is in these kinds of situations, when we're having a lot of anxiety and fear, that little voice inside our head isn't always telling us what we should be hearing and what we should be doing, especially when it's being controlled by fear. In psychiatry and psychology, we often utilize cognitive behavioral therapy, which is recognizing your thoughts, connecting them to the emotions that you have, realizing the connection, and then changing those thoughts so that you don't feel those such negative emotions. For instance, Imagine you're sitting there doing homework with with your son and you're helping him do his homework because we're all home now helping our children out with their schoolwork. And then you sneeze. Okay. Now, before COVID, you'd probably just think, oh, seasonal allergies. And that probably is what it is. (laughs) But but right now in this heightened state of anxiety and fear, you might think, oh, my gosh, I just sneeze. And oh my gosh, I might get, I might have Corona and I might die. And, mm-hmm. and what that's going to do is also that thought of I sneeze and I'm going to die is going to trigger you to jump into that sympathetic state of anxiety, trigger that cortisol, and it's going to put you in back in that state of panic again. Whereas if you had just thought I sneeze, I must have allergies. You're not, it's not going to trigger that thought's not going to trigger that emotional part of the brain to jump into a state of panic. So What I like to do when anxiety is high, what I like to teach my patients is to, when they're having these kinds of thoughts, to examine the thought and think, is this one, is this true? Mm -hmm. I mean, when we, you and I say this out loud, if you sneeze, you're going to get COVID and die. It sounds silly. But when you're having that thought, it feels very real. Yes. So if you have a thought and and you can catch yourself having this thought, if you can write it down or say it out loud, Uh you you can catch yourself jumping to these conclusions that are scaring you. And if you can replace that with a mantra, it can bring your, your nervous system down and calm it down to where you're not going into this state of panic all the time. And so I like just to use an easy one that you can go to and people can make up their own. I'm going to give you an example of one that if anyone wants to write it down, they can to use themselves and you can use it multiple times a day, anytime you're upset or scared. And the one I like to use is I'm scared because I don't know what the outcome is going to be. 
But in the meantime, I can continue working on what I do have power over. And what this does is it acknowledges that you're scared. If you try to convince your brain that it's not scared and everything's fine, it's not, it's not going to buy it. You know, mm-hmm. our emotional limbic system and our brains are very smart. <laughs> it knows if we're going to try to outsmart it. You know, <laughs> you're not going to trick that little Jimmy the cricket. <laughs> but if you acknowledge the fear and say, I'm scared because I don't know what the outcome is going to be. And that is true. Okay. That's not saying I'm scared because I'm going to die. We don't know that. It's not saying I'm scared because I'm going to lose my house because I lost my job. You don't know that either. Mm-hmm. I'm scared because I don't know the outcome. That's true. But in the meantime, I can continue working on what I do have control and power over, kind of the Plato rock analogy we were talking about before. Now, I wonder, is it a good idea to, to say those mantras even when you're not in an anxiety state? I think if you, if you feel that you're having a high state of anxiety currently uh-huh. all the time, whether you previously had anxiety, depression, or psychiatric disorder, or if you're just having it now, it's okay to say that several times to memorize it. But I wouldn't say it over and over Okay. All the time when you don't feel because you're acknowledging that you're scared. If you're not uh, feeling scared all the time, you don't want to say, I'm scared. Okay. That's good. <laughs> you don't yeah. want to tell yourself you're scared. This is more a mantra to use when you're having these thoughts and feelings. Okay. Um, because what happens a lot of times, and you'd kind of mentioned this earlier, that, that obsessive compulsiveness of mm-hmm. the thoughts and, and the cleaning and the things like that, it's because people are having these thoughts over and over again. And if we can stop it, from let's go back to our tiger analogy tiger walks in the room the thought is there's a tiger in the room I'm going to die versus a tiger cub walking into the room tiger cub could still be scary but it's not quite as scary as that big giant tiger so acknowledging I'm scared I don't know what's going to happen here but in the meantime I can do things to help myself and help the situation and now that doesn't trigger that fight or flight response that doesn't trigger that cortisol release which as you know, it can exacerbate anxiety, depression, and many chronic health disorders, hypertension, diabetes, those types of things, being in that constant state of fight or flight and high cortisol levels. So along with the mantra, um, you suggested sleep, good night of sleep, uh, diet, mm-hmm. which I got to tell you, diet could be a toughie right now. <laughs> because... A lot of people are complaining about that. You know, I hear a lot of people on Facebook and stuff saying, I'm getting fat. I'm going to be so fat. because There's not much else to do than eat. But, um... All I can do is eat. <laughs> but then, but then exercise. So if you're going to eat that bag of chips, then go out and take a walk afterwards. Hey, you know, I think what we're finding now and what we've always known is that there's three big uh, factors in our physical and mental health that we can all probably do better at. And that's sleep, exercise, and diet. Yeah. And that being said, this isn't the time to suddenly make a total life transformation. Sure. You know, um, we're, as it is, we're trying to adjust to this new norm. We're trying to take care of our kids that are home all the time. Some of us are still going into work, you know, yeah. the healthcare workers and stuff are, are on the front lines with yeah. this. Yeah. I would say, Pick the one that you're struggling with the most and make one small change. Okay. You know, so if you're having a hard time with sleep before bed, do what makes you feel comfortable and gets you into that calm state, whether that be a bath or reading or something. Mm -hmm. If you're struggling with your diet, if you're struggling because you're eating a lot more junk food now, make one small change, have a salad with your meals at night. Mm -hmm. And even just adding a salad, you won't be as hungry later to dive into that junk food. Don't try to change your whole diet plan. Just do one small thing. And those things over time will slowly add up. So you can make yeah. one small change this week, maybe one small change next week. But, you know, we really have to give ourselves to some grace here because 
this is a tough time. And if we stray a little bit off the path and have some cookies or brownies, you know, or yeah. maybe um, don't go exercise one day, it's, it's okay. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. okay. I saw somebody today say, don't wear leggings, don't wear sweatpants, wear your jeans, because if you can still button them, you're still in good shape. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't know. But that's actually, I'm in that my pajama pants good. right now. I'm like, I, don't, I don't really want to not launch Pretty kind of video conference up here. It's all professional, but down low, I'm still hanging out comfortable. So I think uh, I like to always do things with positive reinforcement. I'm going to do something that's good for me because I enjoy it. Sure. Like, I'm going to eat this salad because I actually like the salad that I made too. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not going to enforce myself to eat something I don't like. I'm going to make a really good salad or I'm going to exercise. And guess what? I'm going to go do what I like to do, which is ride my bike. I'm not going to go do 50 push-ups. I hate push-ups. You know, so if you, if what you're doing is healthy and it's something you enjoy, it's going to be a lot easier versus punishing yourself. Like these pants don't fit, you know, (laughs) and that might work for some people. Maybe not, you know, but I think when we use a positive reinforcement, it's it's much more likely to have lasting effects. <laughs> right. So, so for the people who are still struggling after, you know, trying to get better sleep, trying to be better at dieting, getting a little mm-hmm. bit more of exercise, but still have this problem with anxiety, they can't kind of get out of that fight or flight mode. What other help can they get? Well, we're really fortunate that this did occur during a time where we have such great technological resources um, and so many avenues of communication. If you are feeling that you need some help and you've never asked for help before, I just have to tell you that it takes a lot of strength to say, I need help. And being vulnerable isn't being weak. Uh, It actually shows a lot of courage to be vulnerable and say, I need some help right now and reach out. And I think Um, it's a really big way of taking control. Oh, yes, definitely. Absolutely. Good point. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. It definitely is to say, hey, uh, my brain's kind of going off on the deep end over here. And and I feel like an emotional wreck right now. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Taking control of that and grabbing the reins and asking for help and getting help with that. You can contact Horizon Health Services. Uh, that's who I work for. They're a great organization. Um, they help individuals and families with mental health disorders and substance use disorders. They are very person-centered. They do um, medical, uh, psychiatric counseling services. Well, now they're doing it through uh, primarily telehealth. They're still open. Okay. There's still physical locations you can go in, but a lot of Patients are now going through telehealth. Okay. And we're finding that, and if and they can also use the phone. We're finding that people at first time doing telehealth are a little anxious, you know, mm-hmm. but that I've been doing because I'm doing precepting too still for school. Uh, but it, it quickly becomes, okay, this is what I'm doing now. And, and like I said, phone calls are more comfortable for some people because you're not, they don't feel like they're being videoed or stared at. And okay. I think that's a good option too. So Horizon's a good place. I'll give you their number for admissions. It's 831-1800. Or you can go to their website at horizon-health.org. Also, Western New York Mental Health Advocates is a great, great organization that you can reach out for for information on counseling services health services. And I'm also going to give you some numbers for crisis hotlines Okay. for anyone who might be feeling, you know, any kind of suicidal ideations or injury and they want help and need help right now. Okay. And we'll post those as well. 
Well, I really thank you for your time today. I think that um, if we can just reach one person and they listen to this and it makes them feel a little bit more like everybody else, because I Mm -hmm. think there's a lot more people feeling what they're feeling. And if we can make them feel a little bit safer, give them some ideas to try at home. And if they need some more help, then don't be afraid to pick up the phone and try and call. That is having control over your own life and your own decisions. And you'll feel much stronger by doing that. We encourage everybody to do that. Thank you so much again for your time. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. um, Thanks for having me. Yeah, and stay safe, stay healthy. Thanks, you too. (laughs) And we'll talk to you soon. Sounds great. Thanks so much. All right, bye, Karen. Stay tuned for other episodes and have a great day.